Welcome to the Public Safety Hour on WTMJ Now. Get to know what's facing public officials in Wisconsin and across the country. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's your expert, Annie Schwartz. I think that's our cue. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Annie Schwartz in studio as always. Hi, Annie Schwartz. Good morning. So happy to join you in hot yoga here in the studio. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm not I, supposed to complain. I don't know if Vince and Eric were talking about They probably did. It's, it's like a 1,000 degrees in here right now. It is, but I'm, again, not going to complain because the walk to the car could kill me. Yes, and you, you showed up in a amazing coat today that, that probably would keep you warm in minus 50-degree weather. So good, See, good, good on you. I th- and first of all, let's just clear this up right now. It's raccoon, and they eat the garbage and destroy your garbage. <laughs> and cans. you made a coat out of them. So I'm I'm happy to take Peta on on that one. All right. Um, but it, it's very funny. The the uh, I thought it was very Doctor Zhivago, um, you know, Lara and Doctor Zhivago. Yes. But Sherwin Hughes on our sister station there in the truth said he was thinking Frank Lucas, an American gangster. So I'm not sure. It had all of that and more. (laughs) But I see the Dr. Zhivago thing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm sticking with that. So we got a lot of things on the show today. Um, We're going to get to some some sort of lighter ones, but we have a great guest at at 9.30. Oh, you're going to, you know, this is a conversation we don't have nearly enough because we, we spend a lot of time on our public safety hour talking about law enforcement. And we need to also, you know, we need to devote time to talking about the fire service. And we don't, I don't think, spend enough time really highlighting the work that they do now the local media are always going to do the low-hanging fruit firefighting in the cold but there's so many other so many other elements to uh to what makes our fire department tick and eric dawn who's the president of the local 215 who better to talk to, who better to, talk to? he's going to come on and Tell us, uh, tell us all kinds of uh, all kinds of stories. And there's some good news: the opening of a firehouse, right? That is going to be the. That's mm-hmm. like the first question, isn't it? Or I shouldn't say question, because are you happy about it? Is right up there with the how do you feel question, right? That reporters ask. But you know, it, this is a big deal, and and I don't know that they, you know, we're we're so used to people saying. Ah, you know, we're going to close the firehouse. We're going to get rid of this, and people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It never happens. Well, it did. It yeah. did happen, and because of the work of you know Eric Dawn and the local two fifteen working with the city and their and their budget people, we got the firehouse back. And if you saw the house fire in Cudahy last night, a huge uh, actually it's a I think it was a, a senior living right. uh, facility. Um, where did those firefighters come from? I'm going to ask him, but my guess is they came from that recently reopened firehouse. Interesting. I actually, have the mayor of Cudahy on the show tomorrow, so. Mayor Tom Pavlik will talk to him, I uh, think, about 9.30 tomorrow on the program. So I, I just, we gotta get, we got to get to break, but I, I just wanted to tee up this one because it's kind of funny. <laughs> and it's not really public, I guess it's sort of public safety, right? Because they're talking oh, about... absolutely is public safety. Yeah, for travel sakes. on the freeways. If you haven't seen this headline, the federal DOT, Department of Transportation, not the state Department of Transportation. Actually, Wisconsin's been very good at kind of having fun with the those electronic signs we see in our, our freeways. Hey, we interviewed John Riemann on the show yeah, here. Yeah. We talked to, talked to him about, you know, how clever it was that he came up with all of those different phrases and, and, and things on the, uh, on the boards, which I think helped people pay more attention because sometimes when, you know, we'd be driving and I would, I would look up just to see, I always look up to see if there's an Amber Alert or something, but there'd be a very quick message. You know, the, 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 the feds are acting like, you know, we wrote Proust up there and it's not, it was a, yeah, one of the most recent ones was you are not a turkey. Don't drive basted. I mean, for Thanksgiving, I mean, I, look, is it a distraction? I don't know. 
I, I think no more than using your phone. <laughs> yeah, or having your dog sitting in your lap, or drinking a you know, trying to eat, and you know, all that stuff. I would worry more about that stuff. That's interesting about Wisconsin. We 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 tend to focus sometimes on the wrong things. Even when we we know there's distracted driving, we're going to ban them. Essentially, is what's happening. Not not the Wisconsin DOT again. It's the federal folks. They're saying you can't be funny on the signs. What do we What do we think of this? Let's just take the fun out of everything, Steve. I think it's the no fun league, right? It's the no fun league. It's 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 the federal government, which you know I I do some work for them, so I have to. I'm I, I never say anything it's mean. What I would say is lighten up, lighten up, Francis. Lighten up, Francis. Absolutely, lighten up, Francis is the, is the term that I use on the program. All right, so um, we're gonna take a break. After the break, there's a big report that's coming out tomorrow. I want to talk to you about this. It's it's related to the Uvalde school shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many years ago is that now? Gosh, uh, Uvalde was. Oh, now I'm now I'm I, I just blanked out because you asked me. Um, we'll get to that after the break. But I think it's uh, it's certainly within the last couple of years. Yes, and it's taken that long to pull together a comprehensive report about what went wrong. We'll talk about that with Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, Public Safety Hour, WTMJ. She's always on fire, she being Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. And this is the Public Safety Hour here on WTMJ. That will not change this year and next year. So, Annie Schwartz, um, this is a serious topic, but it's one that you and I have talked about this on the program. The issue of mass shootings, um, law enforcement response, public safety response, really, because there's, there's a lot of agencies that respond to this. Uvalde, Texas, school shooting. Less than two years ago. May of 22. Yeah. I was surprised when I looked that up because for some reason, it, just like you and I were talking, you know, it feels like it was longer. Yes. And the big report comes out tomorrow, I think in the afternoon, maybe late morning, on the response and how law enforcement, public safety responded to that mass shooting. As you think about this, and we don't know the details yet, what do you think it's going to say? Well, I'm going to look at it from a communications point of view, and a very good friend of mine, a good colleague of mine, uh, is part of the uh, communications review of how did they communicate during Uvalde, and that's really what I'm going to look at. I, uh, you know, I, you know, when the report comes out, I'm going to read the thing like it's a like it's the latest uh, James Patterson novel because I, I, I've been part of what we call hot washes in the, I think the military calls them hot washes as well as the, in public safety. And that's when you go back and you look at what all, you know, what all happened. You know, when the Milwaukee police first did, um, uh, they did shoot reviews. They did shooting reviews. This is way back when we had the Homicide Review Commission. Uh, they used to go over the, the incident and do kind of a, a mini version of what this report is going to be. Looking back and, and, and analyzing the response is how we learn in law enforcement. It's not meant to shame anybody. Nobody's gotta, uh, you know, nobody's gotta wear the horsehair shirt or anything. They, they used to talk about best practices. I think they still talk about that. Looking yeah. post incident, what were the best practices mm-hmm. that we should be utilizing? What didn't go as planned? What can we improve on? Those types of things. We've done those on the Azana Spa shooting. We have done them on any large scale, the Sick Temple shooting. Mm-hmm. There was a, an after action on that. Uh, sometimes they're just for law enforcement and they're not shared with the public. Uh, but I, this one uh, probably will be shared with the public. Oh, I'm guessing. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you've got Congress saying we'd like to know more. So when that happens, uh, also, you know, the sick temple shooting was not, did not become the national example of what not to do. Right. It was, it was textbook, excellent response by law enforcement. 
Uvalde was not. To put yeah. a, to, to say it nicely, was yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, we were talking before the show. You know, when you when you think about Uvalde, one of the things that stands out is because I've been around enough of these things to. Uh, I've talked about them across the country, you know, I've written about it, spoken about it on the show, talked to experts, subject matter experts on mass shootings and response. And one of the things that stands out glaringly so is that typically the the shift, and I don't know how many years, maybe you know, when they went from, hold, oh, let's see what's happening, to we got to get in there. Columbine. Columbine is, is what was? changed the, the narrative on, on um, active shooter. That's when active shooter training became went from something that was sort of an elite training for police to when it became a, a requirement for law enforcement. Because if you know, if you know, Mandalay Bay, this is such a great example, the Mandalay Bay shooting in Las Vegas at the... Uh, uh, at the country music uh, festival, right. this was the the three the three officers that initially went in there, made the assault on the on the you know on the room where the where the shooter was. Those are three guys that got together and so they put together what's called a hasty team. Okay, you, you, and you. We are all right. We're going up here. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And that was that's pretty much how we you know how they how they got in there and neutralized the shooter. We learned from Columbine that we cannot wait. And and Uvalde is going to be is going to be an interesting piece because one of the more disturbing comments that have come out is uh, the former I, I think he was a ch- the chief um, I think it was Arredondo uh, came out and said well I didn't consider myself the incident commander well you don't consider yourself an incident commander you take command you say someone has to take I'm charge. the incident commander and here's what we're going to do but correct me if I'm wrong because I know this was the case in in the Oak Creek Sikh Temple shooting. We knew that it wasn't going to be our chief. It was going to be a different chief who was going to take some of the responsibilities of the communication, coordination away from our chief, who had some real specific things he had to deal with at the time, Chief John Edwards, had to deal with on scene. So that's, that's, that was known ahead of time. Mm-hmm. The beauty of incident command for people who are listening, they're like, what are you talking about? This is something that really started with the fire service uh, out in California for the wildfires, uh, where you say, okay, I'm... Um, Annie and Steve got there, got there first. Annie's the incident commander right now. And we, we, we deploy how we need to deploy. When more people come, when people of greater rank come, you inform the rest of the people in your command. All right. We're turning incident command over to someone else. And what it sounds to me like, and again, I haven't seen the Valde report yet, but it sounds to me that it was just, you know, it was one of these, I don't know who's, I thought it was you. Well, I thought it was you. And, and that shows me a, a huge breakdown in their incident command system. And the, and the reason that matters is that the amount of time you allow a shooter to create mayhem, take lives, could be seconds, could be minutes. Those those are not positives in a response to something like this, especially in a school. Yeah, they keep killing. And And the hardest thing about active shooter training is knowing that when you are running into that to that scene, your job is to is to neutralize the shooter. You have to walk past injured people. Sometimes you're stepping over over bodies. You have the the most important thing is stop the killing. And that can be really hard for uh for officers, even the best trained trained officers. You have got to find that shooter, you've got to neutralize that shooter. You cannot stop and tend to the wounded. And that is, I, I, I think that was the hardest thing when I, I, I took active shooter training because I knew that I was going to talk about it uh, as part of the police department. I obviously never 
uh, uh, responded to to an event like that. I'm the one that shows up with the cappuccinos um, <laughs> and proud of it because, you know, those the, the, that that to me is the is the real hero work. When you think about Uvalde, Texas, really any mass shooting, have we gotten better in our response? I know this is a, an example of where we probably weren't very good. That's easy to say, even not not having seen the report. Have we gotten better? I, I think we have. Oh, absolutely. I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a question. I think we absolutely have because with every awful incident like Uvalde, we learn and we say, "All right, we don't want our town to be in a headline like that." Let's make sure. And when those when those incidents happen, I know local law enforcement all gets together and and says, "All right, so let's have another training." Whenever I see a uh, an incident uh, on national television, and you'll see it doesn't happen as much anymore. But whenever I see a a sheriff or a police chief, and they just really uh, they don't do a very good job communicating, and 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 it's and it's awful. My phone rings off the hook because that's when people say we want training. So that I think is is what you saw with Uvalde is we don't want that to be us and. I mean, Steve, we're talking about, you know, children were killed. It's not just who's in charge, but who's going to speak and be an effective speaker. And it's not how many words you use. It's not how long you speak, because I've seen this play out across the country as well. Carefully chosen words. Speak to what you know. Don't don't speculate. Don't scare people. <laughs> That's really the magic there. And that can be pre-planned from a communications perspective. Absolutely. You know, the thing, what can't happen is I responded once to a mass casualty incident, and I remember asking, it was at a, it was at a, um, a, a business, and I remember asking the communications person, I said, all right, so where's your communication? I said, you got a communications plan? She said, yes. I said, where is it? She said, it's in my office. In a binder. Well, that doesn't help us when we've now evacuated. Right. So we talk a lot about, you know, having that stuff become muscle memory almost, whether it is tactics or communication. She's Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We have a great guest coming up after the break. Eric Dawn of the local firefighters, local two, 215. 215. Yes. And lots of things to talk about, including the opening. Whenever you have a new firehouse opening, that's that's cool. And the fact that we are getting more resources for public safety is a good thing. That's part of some of the recent conversations we've had on this program and others' programs. We are reestablishing the importance of public safety in Wisconsin. That is a good thing. More of that conversation and our guest after this on WTMJ Now. Listen to the Public Safety Hour. You know that we always have guests on, usually 930, and today is no different. We have... The honor and privilege of having from the local, Milwaukee Firefighters Local 215, their president, Eric Dawn, on the line. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful on this. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's, it's, a, Wednesday. it's a Wednesday. If it's Wednesday, it must be Annie. <laughs> That's right. And I, I got a feeling Eric is going to be upset that we didn't use this girl's on fire for him coming on as well. Why? Fire. Oh, I, yeah, I get it. Oh, maybe, he was li- maybe he was listening earlier. Were you listening earlier, Eric? I was. All right, so he he heard it. There you go, Eric. I got to give you some big uh, some big kudos to the to the local two fifteen. I was uh, was honored to be at your uh, swearing in of your local officers uh, last week, and uh, I, what an honor to have the two the two people the two and and you'll correct me if I say it wrong, but the two heads of the International Association of Firefighters uh, came in town just for the local. 
215 swearing in. I think that speaks to the to the the prominence of of your uh, of your organization. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had our district vice president Tom Thornburg out of Minneapolis, and then the general secretary treasurer of IFF. And it's not small accomplishments to get them to come to an event. Um, and they come because of the good work that's being done in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. What, what is, if, if, if we were to ask, someone were to say, well, what is the, what makes the local 215 and its members so special? What is the good work, some of the good work that we can talk about? Well, honestly, probably the biggest thing that happened recently is the reopening of Engine 17 and the mm-hmm. additional measurement at Station 36. I mean, it's been 35 years since we've opened a new firehouse. Wow. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, and that was just building and moving a fire, an engine from another, an old firehouse to that one. So the fact that we were able to recommission Station Seventeen and provide better services to the far south side and to the neighboring communities is immaculate. Do you feel like you're, you're you're starting to see that? We know that the shared revenue legislation changed a lot of that dynamic for the city of Milwaukee. Um, are you seeing that flow of resources start the kickstart, restart some of the the excitement, the energy that's built into the, uh, the the fire side of public safety? Absolutely. I mean, for years we've said the morale's never been lower, but when the shared revenue sales tax bill passed through the state and through the city, the morale of the members actually got better for once. You know, and I'll be honest, like Milwaukee, we take a lot of runs, we see a lot of things, and when you start reopening firehouses instead of talking about closing more, it definitely increases the morale and the betterment of the members of the department. And, and response time, right? Oh, absolutely. And everything seconds, right? I mean, fires double every second. Uh, seconds matter when heart stops. Like, those are all things that are known facts. Eric, I gotta ask you. So we saw on the news. I mean, a lot of us woke up to the news this morning when we saw uh, the huge fire at the senior living uh, facility in Cudahy. That is so close to to um, the new engine house. Were they part of that response? They were. So, and they were also part of the one in Greenfield that they had uh, two mornings ago. Wow. So, so already. Are, yes, they are experiencing a heavy workload. That is, and it's a much needed. Firehouse to have opened. I think that's one of the things that the public is not aware of. They always think, you know, they think their little community, their, you know, the city of Cudahy or the the city of Milwaukee. They don't realize that um, the public safety folks, those lines don't necessarily matter to them. They're interested in saving lives and preventing tragedies. And talk about that a little bit because that responsibility is a big one. So, I'll give kudos to the chiefs in Milwaukee County for creating a shared services uh, program where we do respond into the other communities. Um, This wasn't a thing 15 years ago where we would go and respond into those communities, especially for Milwaukee. They would help each other, but Milwaukee, we always stayed out of it. And now we're all one team and we are working together to help their citizens just like they come in and help ours. I know you were part of the the discussions that that made that happen, Eric. And can you talk a little bit about what you know w- w- what the conversations were like in the early days when somebody, because somebody had to say, "Hey, why aren't we all doing this together? Why aren't we all in this together? Why should Milwaukee be an island?" It was 
it was just the internal battles of the communities. And it just took really good leadership from the chiefs to accomplish what we did with the shared services. You know, and all of our services have been cut. It's not just Milwaukee's that have been cut. Um, A lot of our suburban communities, they don't have the staffing levels we have. They're cross-staffing engines and med units, right? So there's... If a med unit's out, their engine only has two people on it. How are they going to fight a fire with two people? Like, that's not realistic. We're talking to Eric Dawn. He's the president of, of uh, Milwaukee Firefighters. Local 215. We're going to take a break here, Eric. If you can if you hang on the line. I want to ask you, we talked about some of the, the encouraging developments for public safety, some of the challenges you're facing, and maybe I want to, I, I always try to do this with the professionals out there, some, uh, some tips and ideas for people to be safer all the time. From a fire perspective, we'll do that with our guest, Eric Dawn, Milwaukee Firefighters Local 215, after this on WTMJ Now. Public Safety Hour here on WTMJ Now. Of course, Andy Schwartz alongside and a special guest today, Eric Dawn, president of the uh, Milwaukee Firefighters Local 215. Uh, before the break, Eric, we were talking about some of the uh, the positives, some of the resources now available, opening of a, of a new firehouse and all of that. There are challenges out there, especially Andy and I were just talking during the break, Firefighting in and responding in cold weather, snow and ice and all that. Talk, discuss that part of it because that's a real physical challenge for firefighters. Yeah, the cold weather is extremely difficult. The, our bodies are obviously are tighter, right? And uh, one of the things our pumps freeze, right? We use water, and so hydrants freeze up, um, engine pumps freeze up, so. Just being able to get water in some of these fires sometimes can be a challenge, especially in these extreme conditions. And then our air bottles, we only get 20 minutes to a half hour of working time. We're going outside and our turnout gear is even freezing solid where you have icicles dripping off your helmets. So what do you do with that special challenge? Because it doesn't take long for water to freeze. We all know that, especially when it's zero or lower. So what do you actually do? So our our drivers they really do prep the rigs very well as far as putting the icer in them keeping the pumps moving and once we have water flowing through them we never shut the water off so we'll constantly have water flowing so it doesn't freeze up solid wow and and what i'm going to when we talk about more firefighters we talk about increase in personnel the cold weather firefighting is is really rough on on personnel as far as having to rotate people in and out, isn't it? Yes, it hundred percent. Because again, our bottles only last twenty minutes to thirty minutes when we're in a fire, so we have to rotate people in and out, and they're freezing up, and so we bring in extra ambulances as warming stations. Our fire bell comes as a warming station just to keep our gear on thawed. Well, let's give them a little shout out, Eric. Uh, the fire bell club, uh, Eric just mentioned it. Steve, they are, uh, they come out, uh, for greater, uh, greater incidents, uh, large scale incidents. Uh, and they make sure that, uh, I mean, I remember as a reporter, uh, they used to offer us coffee and I always felt like, a, you know, an idiot taking a coffee when there's a guy who's on a roof, you know, right. pulling open a, you know, pulling open a space for the, the flames to go. But, um, important to give the Firebell uh, Club a shout out, uh, because they really, they do some, some good work at those, at those scenes as well. 
I always want to mix in some public safety uh, tips for people. I know we, we've talked about one of the obvious ones is space heaters, and, that, and I'll let you speak to that as well. Um, are there other challenges that are out there, especially when it's cold? Maybe um, one, of the, one of the questions that I always get when, when we have a guest on the show in public safety is the, uh, the question about batteries causing fires. Do you see a lot of that? We don't so much in Milwaukee. It is becoming more prevalent with, obviously, the lithium-ion batteries are more flammable and dangerous because it takes a lot of water to get them out. Um, but with the cold weather, the biggest thing is space heaters and not to use your fur or your stove to heat your house. We so, find a lot of that where people will keep their oven on with the door open. I saw that on the news last night, Eric. I was watching and there was one guy who was saying, well, my heat's cut off. What am I supposed to do? I had to open up my, my oven to heat the house. And whenever I see that, I just, all the hair on the back of my neck stands up because I think about that. And I think, oh, God, that, that ends, that does not end, uh, end well. Uh, you know, I, I would also ask you some of the challenges the fire department faces organizationally. Are there, are there, is there a, is there a wish list for the, for the, the fire department right now? Uh, I mean, staffing is always an issue that we've experienced for years. Um, it is getting better. And with the implementation of the sales tax shared revenue bill, the fact that we are going to get another four firehouses back in the future is a positive. I mean, that that will lessen the workload on the men and women who represent the city of Milwaukee, who serve the citizens. You mentioned those men and women who serve, and I always try to feature a couple of firefighters or dispatchers in my salute to service that I do in May every year in WTMJ. Speak to that, the incredible people you work with. There's there's great stories every year. It's hard to pick a couple or, or one just because they're, they're so amazing in what they do. And it's it's not a uh, show up for your shift and you're done. It's, it's And for many folks in public safety, it's, it's 24-7, 365. Speak to that. Yeah, I mean, we're never off duty. I mean, yes, we work in the firehouse. That is our family in the firehouse because we do spend a lot of time there. And especially the last few years as staffing has been, we just haven't had the employees that we have needed. Um, but there are members, I, one in particular, I think he was up in Appleton, and there was a house fire that went in, and he went in and helped give everyone out to make sure everyone was safe without his gear on. Our guys do some incredible work on and off duty. We're talking to the president of the local firefighters, two fifteen, Eric Don. Um, last words. I just want to. I want to. First of all, thank you for coming on. I always appreciate talking to you folks because you you do incredible work, and I can't even imagine. I don't like walking outside to go to work in the cold. And and these men and women, as you just said, fine men and women are working in these conditions. And as you said. It doesn't take long for all that water to freeze. It has to be just hellacious. So um, thanks for all the great work. And I, I just want to give you a chance to speak to the future on firefighting, public safety. What do you see as maybe something you have to, we have to focus on from a public perspective and from the men and women who serve? What's that, what's that thing we're looking forward to in the future? I think as far as the future, like the community needs to learn what 911 is actually used for. Um, our men and women respond to, I think we've went up like 10% in call volume every year for the last 10 years. So this year we took almost 110,000 runs in the city of Milwaukee. And it's an extreme amount of workload that we are putting on the men and women that are serving and protecting us. 
So people need to learn that 911 is for life emergencies, not for a taxi ride to the hospital or whatever they're looking for. And we will come and take care of whatever the issue is. I mean, just this last weekend with the major power outages, we had shuttles running people to warming shelters. So we do end up taking care of things on the backside always. But we just need to educate the citizens on what 911 actually is. Hmm. And, you know, you're talking about education. Can you throw out a few uh, a few tips here at the at the end? We talked about, you know, don't use the the oven to heat your house. Maybe a tip on space heaters. Those, you know, a couple of tips you can toss out, Eric, for our, our audience. Keep space heaters away from clothes, away from dirty laundry. If you're going to use them, we get it's important to have heat in your houses, but just be cognizant of where you're placing them. Uh, Eric Dawn, he's the president of the uh, M- MFC. Is that what MFD? MFD. Why did I say MFC? I don't Milwaukee know. Firefighters Local Two. But I'll get in trouble for that, probably. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Eric, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you. Appreciate the work as well. Thank you, sir. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on, Eric. I appreciate it. President of the Milwaukee Firefighters Local Two Fifty. I, I love talking to these people because they they see it every day, and I, I don't think a lot of us, those non professionals, those non public safety folks. Appreciate the work they do, and the volume of calls—over a hundred thousand calls. And I'm gonna—I'm going to venture to say the majority, probably the vast majority of those, are med runs, are medical runs. Yes. Um, you know, yes, we know firefighters fight fire, but they are—they have a huge uh, uh, medical uh, uh, service that they provide to the community. Yeah, one of the textures mentioned that we we need to focus on that at some point in one of our future hours because that is a big, big part of this. That's that response, saving lives in that manner. We'll take a break here. Public Safety Hour with Annie Schwartz. More after this. Last few minutes with Annie Schwartz, Public Safety Hour here on WTMG. I always enjoy our conversations. Today we're joined by Eric Dawn. He's the president of the Milwaukee Firefighters, Local 215. And we'll continue to have guests because I just I, I learned so much. Now, there's a couple of things we want to do before we get out of here. One, we're going to get back to that DOT thing. But you always bring good news. And this is a good news story. Got to bring some good news. Uh... Got to bring some good there news go. here. Look at that. Sometimes I, 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 I'm so excited to tell you a story. I don't even hit the button. That says, hey, people can news. hear you, kid. Um, I want to give a shout-out to uh, the Kenosha Police Department. They had their uh, uh, awards ceremony. And uh, Medal of Merit, uh, which is a, just a huge commendation for Captain Aaron Dilhoff from the Kenosha Police Department. He, deve- he, he was asked to develop a proposal and a plan uh, for an independent Kenosha Police Department SWAT team. Now, normally, when we were just talking with, with Eric Dawn about those shared services and yes. things like that, well, yes. that is often what, what police have had to do when it comes to SWAT teams. And more because this is becoming, sadly, uh, we're seeing the need for these special weapons and tactics units, uh, that we need to, you know, we need to, to have more, uh, of them and have more of those tactics that are part of the local police department. So Captain Dilhoff, uh, was able to, he, he worked on identifying equipment, training, person, huge training that goes into, uh, the SWAT officers, um, and financial. You know, those units are not cheap. There is there's special gear, there's special body armor that absorbs certain kinds of rounds of uh, of, of gunfire. There are special helmets and shields and all of this kind of uh, all of this kind of equipment. So he uh, he secured the funding, he secured the equipment, and uh, you know he's and now he's he's leading and improving 
uh, their their SWAT team, including, and this is a big one because if you're watching the news in the last few weeks, um, he's also helped develop a hostage negotiation and what's called a tactical emergency medical support team. We call it TEMS. We've had Chief Lipsky on talking about right. TEMS. And I think we'll, we'll get somebody on, I, I think, in a, in a future show who can talk to us about the TEMS program because that's pretty fascinating. It's a hybrid of a, a paramedic, a police officer, and a firefighter. Uh, but, uh, you know, Captain Dilhoff delivered on every single thing that, that he that he uh, that he proposed to do or that he was asked to do. And the Kenosha Police Department has an outstanding SWAT team because of Captain Aaron Dilhoff. So he got the Medal of Merit at the Kenosha Police Department. Shout out. I'm just going to also pass on my my congratulations and thanks to the folks who responded to that Cudahy fire last night. Lots of additional firefighters. Apparently a second alarm was part of that. So all of that responding, I'm going to say manpower, men and women potentially, um, that's an incredible turnout to try to work in that weather. It's got to be insane. I, I know I'm focusing on the weather, but it, it, it is, it's uncomfortable to walk outside. Mm-hmm. Imagine working in that. Well, and, and you know what else, Steve? I think, I think it's important to, you know, to, to note how many firefighters, how much personnel was from that Engine 37 station. Yeah. I mean, the, the key thing that the, the president, uh, Eric, said 15 years ago didn't happen. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's that cooperative relationship, right. I've been talking about this for a year, sharing services, sharing manpower to make our lives safer. And that's, you know, that's a no-brainer. People don't always understand that, Steve. I think sometimes people think when we say we're going to be sharing services, it means you're not going to be available when I need something. Right. And I think people default to that. You know, when we talk about having a, a, a separate, uh, you know, we talk about consolidating dispatch or we talk about consolidating Firehouses. There's been a lot of talk about that in Cudahy when it comes to, you know, consolidating their operations and those shared services. And the, the, the number one thing people start to complain about is, but what if they're out doing something else when, you know, when I have a fire? Well, that's why we have shared services. Yeah, great job by the men and women who serve us in public safety. All right, um, last word on this DOT thing. Look, I know the Federal Highway Administration is really strict on this. This this is dumb to me. If I was the Wisconsin DOT, I'd push the envelope a little bit. I'd, I'd play around on the edge. They did. Just to and, see what happens. And they did. And yeah. you and I talked to John Riemann, uh, who was yeah. one of the people that, that did the, the messages, some of the more clever messages. As a communications person, what I know is the more eyes on your messaging vehicle, the better. So if more people are looking up at that sign because they want to see what, you know, quick, funny thing. Look, it, nobody's right... James Patterson's not doing these. It is, you know, it's a quick, fun sentence that gets people to look at that very important emergency response tool. Let's put it this way. The feds missed the point of the whole thing. They missed it completely. Stunning, shocking. Yeah, we're not surprised. Annie Schwartz, always great to talk to you. We'll do it again next Wednesday, the Public Safety Hour. Have a great rest of your week.